Hey everybody, it's Swedenborg Live. We are very excited to get to talk to you about the spiritualist things in the world tonight. And uh, we're looking forward to all of your questions. With me, I have an excellent panel of experts, friends, and so spiritual sojourners. First one, Kardam. How are you, Kara? Hello, everybody. I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling the spring returning to the world and to my spirit. So that's fun. And I'm glad to be here with you tonight. Great to have Hi, you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, great to know. I couldn't remember here. if I was like going to like shuttle it from one person to the other one yeah, or just I go. The, the alphabetization was to help us know when to go on our own. Oh, no. Well, look at this. Really I'm shuttling it right now. Look at this. Okay. <laughs> hey, Chelsea, what's going on? <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, I'm happy to be here and I uh, love getting to hang out with these folks and think about spiritual things, learn a thing or two, and share in the joy of and sorrows of this life. Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm not hey, talking, I I'm guess not that's anything. my turn. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm not, not going to say a word. This is starting off very smoothly. Uh, so, uh, very great blessing to be with everybody again. This is so fun. I, I love this. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. And uh, it's enjoyable to be with this panel of wonderful people. Hello, everybody. So glad to be here. And we actually had a warm day here in the Chicago area. Our piles of snow have been melting before the next snow comes. <laughs> but it was a beautiful day. And I'm really glad to be here ready to talk some spiritual stuff. Okay, so I got we're going to start it off on a happy note. Um, we want to extend a heartfelt thank you to Kim Shine. Kim Shine is our sponsor this week. So she just bought you all and all of us some Swedenborg games. Thank you so much, Kim. Uh, a $250 gift means that tonight Kim bought the games for all of us. And any of you can do that as well. When you sponsor a show, you'll get a private session with all of us. We just got out of a, a rousing discussion with Kim about a topic of her choosing. And if any of you want to do the very same thing, get in touch with Tim Bilger. There's his email in the description, and we can get you to be the guest of honor. In the meantime, you can still support what we do. Even though you'll get the games either way, we're a not-for-profit. You donating is what makes us able to do all of this stuff. So go to offthelefteye.com slash donate or otle.com slash donate and make a contribution during the show, and we'll give you a shout-out and, and a round of applause. Okay. Get your questions in. If you're watching YouTube live, Open up that chat, write whatever you want to talk about, and then we'll uh, we'll get to it. And we have a segment near the end called Thought Brings Presence, where we think about those who have maybe passed on from this world, but we know are still very much alive as to the real person, the spirit. So right, if you want someone you want to pay tribute to, just write it in the chat. And at the end, we'll have a little list of here's all the people we're thinking of with love. Okay, cool. Should we do questions? All right. This is question number one. Okay, I got to get warmed up, get pumped up. I think a G asks, my daughter left me in an accident. I want to speak to her soul. Please help me. Chelsea, you're talking about the sorrows of life. And here we have, you know, the deepest that you can get. So 
what can we say uh, in a in a in a terrible situation like this? Yeah. Karen, would you I, like to go? Oh. Did you want to start, Chelsea? Oh, sure. Um, great. I just wanted to, or what was coming to my mind was um, a couple of things. One, um, of course, I hope, I don't know how recent that loss was, but that's an enormous loss no matter when it happened. So my heart goes out to you, Agatha. And um, I have been impressed with, you know, some stories of people having experienced, um, you know, communication through mediums of loved ones uh, wanting to send their love and support to the people who are still uh, in this world. And um, I, one thing that strikes me about stories of people who have had a sense of communication with loved ones on the other side is that it seems like the messages are very universal in terms of like wanting to bring comfort and wanting to uh, support us and assure us of their well-being um, on the other side. And so although I can't personally like help you have communication uh, or give you tools for that, maybe in an overt way, but speaking to her soul, at least just from what Swedenborg writes, like you are connected to her soul. You know, Swedenborg says that love is what creates union and closeness in the spiritual world. So the love that you guys have for each other is what is keeping her spirit um, close to you. And, um, and so there is, I mean, it's not satisfying maybe to that. It's sort of sub sensory to our earthly senses, but that there is this, um, soul communication going on and that you can be, uh, you know, that that's something you can trust in and, and maybe even become more attuned to the kinds of, uh, messages or loving presence that she has with you. Um, so those are just a couple thoughts. Jonathan. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree. I think um, if you want to speak to her soul, your, your heart and your mind are already doing that. And I imagine that she can very well, um, uh sense your feelings and and to some extent can pick up your thoughts especially thoughts you have about her what's frustrating is that it doesn't very easily go back uh the other way but um it must be so hard uh because i imagine if it was an accident it was probably happening in a, in a moment and you don't get to say goodbye in this world or whatever so i think that's a very difficult circumstance and so i can see why you would want to communicate but i think that her swedenborg suggests that her her soul is dwelling with you in in some sense she's she's there and just like your prayers the prayers of your heart that that go out and find god in some mystical way uh your 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 communications will will reach your daughter as well mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, my heart breaks for you because I had went through the same thing. I lost a daughter in an accident. So very sudden. And um, you should be very patient and understanding with yourself that that's just going to hurt for a long time because it's such a shock to shift from such an obvious way of communicating with her to 
this seeming separation, because as as Chelsea and Jonathan were saying, it's it's not easy for the messages to come back to us this direction. But as Jonathan was saying, Swedenborg does, does say that our thoughts and our feelings in a very real way reach the people in the afterlife. And I think they're more aware of it than we are. Um, but I have over the years just come to notice better um, thoughts that'll just pop into my mind or feelings that come to me at a certain, you know, at certain times um, or memories that pop in that are meaningful or coincidences. I've just come to notice those more and to really, um, you know, to really believe those are communications, you know, the, the, the way the messages come back to us, uh, to, to this world can only come in more subtle ways because just the state of things here on earth right now, it's not easy for us to be aware in that higher level where they dwell and where they communicate from. So we need to um, learn how to uh, just tune in, like Chelsea was saying, to the more subtle ways that we're connected. But do speak to her, write to her, think of her. I do believe she's receiving your messages. And when you Think about her, love her, um, do things that the two of you enjoyed together or just are caring about or noticing things about life that you know you both share a love for. That's very real communication. So as you recover from this shock um, and let yourself gradually heal, uh, do try to believe in that, that that's real, even though it's a little harder, it's a lot harder <laughs> to, to be aware of. So my heart goes out to you. Yeah, this reminds me of the Swedenborg's quote that spiritually thought brings presence and love brings union. So just thinking about your daughter would put your spirits close. And then, like you're saying, Karin, doing things that you have some shared love for, that there's a union in that. Nothing's as good as actually seeing and talking to someone in a way that you remember and are aware of. It could be that there is more communication, like we we're saying, going on than it seems like, because I mean, Swedenborg would talk about speaking with people's spirits who are still alive on the earth and them not really realizing it. So it could well be that our spirits do sometimes talk to our loved ones, but we're just, like in a some sort of way that we don't remember it. Um, so none of that is is as good as having them back, but what you know one of our most watched shows is called why don't our loved ones who have died communicate with us more and i think it's because so many people are are not feeling the communication that they they're hoping for and so i think the takeaway is that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or wrong with the relationship or something it's it's more as karen was alluding to the whole system is bogged down right now this is why it's so important for us to do all those this reconnecting heaven inside uh, inside of ourselves because life isn't supposed to be like this where it's just this dead end where you've got someone you love and then they're gone it's supposed to be that you can talk to them in in the afterlife and hopefully we, we make it back there thanks everybody and thanks so much for the for that question also want to say thanks to scott and to jonathan who both made contributions to uh us really appreciate it all right Let's see what we got for question two. John Bishop asks, God's providence seems to indicate that in order to restore his kingdom of heaven, I was just talking about that, on earth, it requires a person 
family or religion to identify a previous condition not met or it is prolonged. Why? Okay. What are we talking about here? So in order to restore his kingdom of heaven on earth, it requires a person, family, or religion to identify a previous condition not met. What, what's the question and what's the answer? <laughs> well, I don't know. I have misread questions in the past on this show. So I don't know if I'm reading it right. And, but hopefully somebody else is. So first I was like, wait, do I think that's the case? But then I thought, oh, maybe it's that the Bible makes, how does the Bible sort of suggest that? And I realized that really, you know, the, the old Testament or the, the Hebrew scriptures, there's a lot of, there's a lot in there about making ritual sacrifices. And if you've done something wrong, then you have to do this to make up for it. Or I think of God telling Abraham, he has to sacrifice Isaac. And then if he does, you know, and anyway, things like that, where uh, you're, there's sort of a sense of you did this thing wrong. So now you have to do this to make up for it you know, is what I'm sort of getting out of that question. And if I'm in the right track for that, it makes me think of those sacrifices. And of course, like the Bible is written in appearances and this literal level that has inner meaning and correspondential meaning to it. And so those, uh, it's, it can appear on the surface, on the literal level that there's this, you did this thing wrong. You need to, you need to do this or somebody else, you know, you have a scapegoat or something like that, that needs to sacrifice or do have some burnt offering to make things right. Um, and Swedenborg says that uh, all of those details are correspondential of the Lord's own process while he was in the world, but then also for us, our process of regeneration and the way that we go through, that we get purified of evils and falsities in us. And, um, and even, so there's like interesting details that it makes me even want to like go study it. Cause sometimes they have the most interesting insights. Cause there it's like, there's meaning in the details of is Do you have to sacrifice a bird or an animal or this or that, but they aren't meant to be taken, uh, literally, or they have this inner correspondential meaning to them that, it's about our spiritual process. And interestingly, he says in general sacrifices all symbolize worship that arises out of loving what is good and believing what is true. And so I don't really think in literal terms, it has to do with you have to indemnify a previous condition not met. It's more suggestive to me of how like something has to change. We have to reorient ourselves to loving what is good and believing what is true. And that involves a process and the, the steps of that process uh, are intricate and the Lord guides that process. And when to get, you know, in writing the, in, in composing the Bible or the stories of the Bible that come about, it uses the details of a sacrificial process to, to hold that inner meaning. And um, so I just find that it, it's sort of like an outer level of our thinking that thinks that, okay, if I did something wrong, I have to do this to make it right or else or something when actually sort of the spiritual, it's, it's like a spiritual shift that has to go on inside of you. And what's that shift that has to happen. And it always is going to have to do with pivoting towards love and truth in a way that you were maybe out of alignment with it in the past. 
Yeah, I love you, it. <clears throat> Shall I um, ha- have a go? I think, it's, a I think it's time. Yep. <laughs> The uh, the it's a, I think it's the freedom thing. It's very interesting because I used to have the thought in my head that uh, there was a plan. God had a plan and that they were sort of looking at their watches and sort of wondering or occasionally somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. And they're all holding their heads and going, oh, no, they didn't do the thing that they're supposed to do. And uh, it was very interesting to me to find out that, no, I don't think it's that way at all. Swedenborg says that the uh, angels don't even know how the uh, this new religious era is going to unfold or, or when. They don't know. And when the book of Revelation says soon or I come quickly, that means surely, but it doesn't mean anything about a specific time frame. And I actually have come to like that more because it's so much up to individuals to just become receptive. And so it's kind of cool. It's not that you're you're already late or we were hoping for three times as much. No, the, the whole system is kind of delightfully surprised when we when we do something, you know, uh, that that moves the cause forward. An example of this in scripture I think is is the uh, in the book of Revelation that uh, behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. And there's a wonderful painting of it that has the handle only on the other side of the door, you know, like God doesn't have a handle. You've got the only handle. So it's really up to us to decide, oh, I, I see what, you know, I, I'm realizing what the Lord cares about. And so I guess I'll do this and see if that helps, you know, and, and it's built out of a whole lot of, lot of freedoms and, and um, so on. So I think I'll stop there. I love it. So, We've got, yeah, the, it's, a, it's not about arbitrary, sort of dogmatic. You have to right these particular wrongs or atone for this stuff. It's about love and wisdom, living love and truth and going after that in your life. Um, and yeah, it's also that it's not like, I'm just recapping Chelsea and Jonathan. And so Jonathan was saying, it's not that there's a calendar and there's these little events that this needs to happen now, this needs to happen now. And all the angels are cued into that. Angels don't know the future, nor do they want to. And I want to add it to that, that there's a time when Swedenborg describes what seems to be a time independent plan that God has for us. So there are certain things God wants us to get to, but the order is up to us. Like there's, I just drew this little thing on my notes of these little dots in a circle, and that's all God's objectives for our lives. But through our freedoms, we're meandering from one dot to the next dot to the next dot. So it has to probably be with the big stuff, which is restoring the kingdom of heaven. The indemnification that I can think of is just expanding on what Chelsea said, where you'll have hereditary conditions that build up over time in a negative sense and we can through our our own going towards what's good and true bend that back towards heaven uh, a form that's receptive of heaven i guess the the handle not be on god's side is that god has to work through means and if nobody on earth is receptive to heaven heaven can't be on earth without something drastic like jesus christ happening so karen what do you think yeah, I really agree with what Spinning said. And yes, I don't picture 
I, I mean, the, the analogy that I was picturing is the, um, the state of pollution on our planet right now. And it's not about, it's not about, oh, we have to sort of make up for something done long ago. We have to just realize, oh, where have things got to, meaning out of order? Um, because it's just, the state of the world is just that everything got out of order. Everything, you know, the system got broken because of um, human beings over time uh, setting different priorities than the order of things, which would allow things to flow. So it's not making up for what people did back then or even what we did 20 years ago or whatever. It's like trying to recognize, oh, wait, why are things not flowing well? What's kind of broken? What needs to get put back into order? What is the proper order? Um, just like in like with the, uh, you know, climate change and things, we have to just slowly realize, oh, what is causing the pollution and what could we change? Because we've gotten used to doing things certain ways while well, we have to kind of change those things <laughs> gradually so that they're not, you know, that so that they're getting back to working with the order again. So it's about just slowly getting things back into order. And that's about just uh, waking up, not making up for something in the past, but just like Curtis has said, uh, we have to get certain things done. And it's just a matter of like, when are we willing to look at that? When are we willing to work together to try to implement that? When are, you know, so that's when it will happen at, at the pace that we're all willing to take a look, wake up, think about what's out of order, what the order should be and how to get back there. So Carl, Peace yourself. Yeah. I, oh, Carl, I'll turn it over to you, but I would be remiss if I didn't honor a couple of donations that came in a moment or two ago. Gail gave in honor of Lynn. So thank you, Gail. And then Stephanie gave. And then Daffodil gave. We're all the way up to $300. Thank you, everyone. Stephanie made a very generous contribution. And we're, we're getting up there. Appreciate it. If you're just tuning in, off to leftdie.com or otle.com slash donate. And you can help us do our, our not-for-profit work. Okay. We're talking about indemnifying and the kingdom of heaven on earth. Cara, what, what do you think? Uh, first of all, thanks everybody for those contributions. That's lovely. Um, the thing that I'm getting a little stuck on in the question is this uh, restoring his kingdom of heaven on earth. Um, because earth is always going to be a place of equilibrium. There's always going to be evil influence. There's always going to be heavenly influence. And that's what we need. That's the spiritual atmosphere we need on earth in order to do our work. Um, and I'm thinking correspondentially that earth, Swedenborg often says, uh, corresponds to the church. So the connection of humanity to the divine. And that is a very uh, individual thing. And to me, it's, yeah, it's something that happens in each individual and it has to do with turning away from evil and turning toward the Lord um, in a very individual way. I, I think I might be a little bit of a Debbie Downer to believe that the earth is never going to quite be the same as heaven. I think <laughs> so that's all. No, that's good. Realistic expectations. Um, thanks, everybody. And thanks, John, for the question. Appreciate it.
this is going to be question number three, and it's going to be from the cube, who asks, what is outer darkness? And what is the point to which outer darkness hurts? Is that a form of hell? I've heard something along these lines about outer darkness. What is it? Is, are there any outer darkness experts out there? Jonathan. <laughs> I had to look it up, but the um, outer darkness, Swedenborg says, means the um, uh, particularly bad kind of falsities. It says in scripture that the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness and that sort of thing. And sons of the kingdom means truths. Swedenborg's always spiritualizing things so people aren't people, they're, you know, their qualities and so on. So the sons of the kingdom are truths and how the sons of the kingdom get turned, you know, thrown into outer darkness is that they get turned into relatively what he calls dreadful falsities. And he says that this particularly happens zing uh, in the church, like like this is something that that uh, religious people are more able to do than people who don't have as much religion. And so uh, that be cast into always sounds so terrifying, but it actually means in the inner meaning that people take what was true and they plunge themselves into the opposite of it, you know, embracing some false teaching, some upside down version of of religion, which it's amazing to me, but uh, it seems like a very popular idea is that religion is all about judging people, condemning people, uh, even killing them if need be, or rejoicing when they die or get hurt or something, you know, it's like, wow, that's kind of a dreadful falsity. You know, that's not what the Lord is thinking as far as I can tell. And um, so that's a son of the kingdom being cast into outer darkness. Um, so, don't know if that helps. Maybe other people can answer other parts of the question. But well, if that doesn't help, the rest of us are in trouble because I thought that was a great answer. <laughs> Karin, what do you think? Yeah, that was great and very thorough. And I just had, a, since I've been reading recently, some uh, quotes in Swedenborg about centers and, and how the Lord is a center. Um, what came to my mind too is. The closer you are to the Lord, the closer you are to that light and the further you are. And in this case, like Jonathan was saying, in terms of ideas, the, the further you pull your ideas away from the Lord's love for everybody, you're getting outer, you know, it's getting darker and darker and it's getting outer and more and more outer away from the center. So I think that just kind of an image you can have in your mind. That's just talking the same thing that uh, Jonathan was saying when you just pull your ideas, your religious ideas, especially far away from love and, and the Lord's love. That's it's dark and it's outer. <laughs> Any other thoughts on outer darkness? Going once, going twice. Thank you so much, the cube. And before we get to our next question, it's time already for our halftime donor acknowledgement break. Because, you know, we ask people to make donations here and we want to make sure that you know that we really care about you doing that. And we are really grateful to you. So in honor of that, first, we want to put everybody who's donated this month. So this what is this February. February donors are going to go up on the screen right now. Thank you so much for making what we do possible. Wow, it's way too many to read. But, you know, screenshot that, save that. Feel good that, that you did it. And if you want to get on that list... Next month, it's off the leftie.com slash donate. Pictured there are the people who made this programming possible, made it so that 
we could get the chance to gather around these ideas that all of us love. Um, so that's great. And we're going to prove that we mean it by giving something back to those very donors we just flashed up there. There's this little thing coming up this summer that's the biggest thing that's ever happened, which is called the Off the Left Eye Experience. This is where we are going to, and this is very literal, like the people in this chat room here are going to be hosting a three-day retreat where any of you who want to can come and hang out with us. There are in-person options. There are virtual options. We want to take these ideas and do a deep dive over the course of a whole weekend to really see if we can immerse ourselves and learn some wonderful things and experience some great things. So for this donor raffle, we are going to be giving away a free online pass to that conference. And if you happen to win it, you can upgrade it to a in-person pass. You'll get the taken off. Or if you already are registered, you can donate it to what's called the Angel Fund, which is a fund that helps people with financial aid to come to the conference. Wow, a lot of people are donating right now as I'm talking about donating. Okay, so let's do our raffle and see who of that list is getting their online pass to the O-T-L-E-E. The winner is dun, 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 Lisa Knight. All right. Lisa, looking forward to seeing you online or in person this June. It's going to be exciting. There'll be another raffle every month leading up to it. If you want to just not have to wait for luck or Providence to put you in there, in the link in the description, you can register. There's an early bird registration special until March 31st. It helps us when people register early because then we know how much stuff we got to prepare for. So thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Um, oh, yeah. And one last teeny little note. This weekend, I'm going to be hanging out with Tim Bilger, our director of development in West Palm Beach, Florida. If anyone's in the area, email tsbilger at swedenborg.com. That's in the description as well. And we'll, we can hang out. Okay. Chelsea had a little bit more to say about the last question. Then let's say it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I this will this will also buy us some time while Jonathan researches madly for the next question. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I was interested to read. It's that whole outer darkness thing. So I just wanted to like bring it bring this to the team and see what you guys think. Because in this one part where Swedenborg is writing about it, he says darkness in all these different verses in the Bible um, signifies falsity, like Jonathan was saying, arising from, and he says either ignorance of the truth, you know, you can be in falsity just because you don't know the truth or a false principle of religion or, uh, or from a life of evil, you know, like those are all like, if you're caught up in evil, then you might, you have some sort of falsity going on. If, there's a false principle of religion. That's falsity. Ignorance is falsity. Um, but then he says for the outer darkness concerning those who are in falsities of religion and thence in evils of life, that's the outer darkness. And I know Jonathan was saying, well, if you're in, he Swedenborg says, if you're in the church, you're sort of more sort of prone maybe to like be able to develop those false ideas. But I just thought that was interesting that he, in this one place specifying falsity falsities of religion that lead to evils of life i just kind of wondered what what are examples of that or like what do you what does that bring to your mind I just, it's curious to me 
So I sort of another question. <laughs> Shoot, I'm not meant to ask questions. This, okay. this next question is from Chelsea. <laughs> it says, what are falsities of religion that lead to evils of life? Well, isn't isn't uh, just a falsity of religion that God condemns those who don't believe a certain branch of religion on earth. And that can lead to the false, the evil of being mean to people that are, you know, like dismissing people, thinking they're not worth your time because they don't belong to this certain religion and not feeling like you have to be kind to them. Isn't that an example of yeah. falsity of religion leading to evil? <laughs> I think yeah. there's some people who are under the belief that there's, so there's heaven and hell and heaven is great and it's a reward and hell is bad and it's a punishment and that you can get heaven by a deathbed confession or something close to that and genuinely take that to mean, well, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have to worry about treating, I, I'm going to go and treat other people badly because I know I can get out of consequences for it. I think there's some people that would do that. That would be kind of a yeah. falsity of religion that, that led you into thinking, oh, wow, I have, I have diplomatic immunity on these, on doing this stuff to people. Mm, that helps me. That helps me out a lot. I think because in another place, Swedenborg was saying that this outer darkness are the most serious falsities that you can get into. And so then that gets into like, of course, if you're using religion to actually hurt other people, you know, or using, using religion and then ending up in an evil life, that's a really not great place to be. I think because it's taking something that's so precious, you know, faith and religion, your ideas, and then doing twisting that is like, that's like, no, no, don't get in the way of people having, you know, a relationship, a direct partnership with God and, you know, the yeah. divine. So anyway, thanks for I, thinking that out. Yeah, go ahead. I read this thing once about how, oh, I think it was Spanish conquistadors or somebody from Europe in the new world, they crucified like 13 Native Americans to represent Jesus and all the apostles. Oh gosh. Yeah. So if you think about something like that, because it's not only is that murder and horrific, but it's mingling in that concept with it. And it's going like the, the people who are perpetrating it, they're never going to have anything but a warped idea of religion. The people who the families of those people who are killed, they're going to forever want nothing to do with Christianity. There's probably just, there's probably an extra layer of heinousness to yeah. it. It's a good, yeah grim but but interesting to think yeah why would outer darkness be the darkest darkness yeah and i th i think i just want to add one more thought to that that i i feel like i've read swedenborg saying um it's especially a bad situation because the very concepts that are supposed that are there to lead you to heaven you've warped them so much that you can't use those you know so it's you've really got yourself in a bind <laughs> yep i want to say thanks to some people. I know that's not really a segue, but I want to say thanks to Doug who made a contribution. Appreciate it. Paula made a contribution and it was a recurring gift. So the first Ooh. of many, thank you so much. And she said, in memory of anyone who has lost a loved one. Oh, nice. Callie made a donation. And we just had one come in from Brian who now are up to $625 from nine donors. Thank you so much. 
Wow. But these people, we better give people their, their money's worth on questions here. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> this is the, Jonathan. Hopefully your furious research has paid off. Matthew Bush asks Ecclesiastes nine verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, verily do it with all your might for there is no activity or planning or wisdom in shale where you are going. Does Swedenborg explain the inner and literal meaning of this? They're both confusing. It's a nice short answer. Uh, no, he does not. <laughs> but let me try to provide some help. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, this is not a book that he that he was very aware of it, but it's not a book that he spends much time on. But Ecclesiastes is such a wonderful. If you if you uh, if your um, ego is getting oversized, it's a great book to read because it'll bring you down to size. And uh, always talking about your vanity and your vain life and all this. And, and um, so on the literal sense, what it seems to be saying uh, is that, hey, do what you're going to do now, because after you die, you can't do anything. And, you know, there's no activity or planning or wisdom in the grave and so on. In Sheol, uh, it uses grave in other translations. And um uh, Swedenborg would say, oh, no, that's not literally true. But oh, what shale means is hell or condemnation and, and that sort of thing. And I think what it's talking about is that hand has to do with power, your spiritual power. Like, I think it would translate. And here's my little key, my little enzyme that it used to, un, you know, a little key to unlock the Bible. It's about repentance. It's all about repentance. And so... <laughs> Uh, you you know, whatever your hand finds to do. In other words, if there's something you can do to change your life, if you can use your spiritual power to change your life, do it now because it becomes too late. There's such a thing as too late. Like, like do it now. This is only about a chapter and a half away from the statement that where the tree falls, it lies, which is a similar sort of statement of like, hey, it's if it's facing the north or it's facing the south, that's where the tree fell, you know, and, and, um, and I like the statement that comes right before it in the previous verse, which says, um, live joyfully. It sounds so positive. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love for all the days of your vain life, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> there again, I think that means marry love, like, like marry your truth to your love now and be joyful now. Because there is such a thing as too late, you know, like, uh, like, get on it now. So it's a good stiff little repentance message is what I get out of that. And I think that accords with what Swedenborg teaches, but he doesn't wade into Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 and say that specific. Yeah. It's so passive aggressive. Enjoy your life with your nice wife, you vain little. Um, I would say that Ecclesiastes has one of my favorite passages in it. And, I, you know, I can say that I could quote it from memory, but don't check if this is actually it. He says, and I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, but time and chance happen to all. Mm. And it's not like, I don't know why I love that, because it's not particularly uplifting, but there's something about the equalizer and something that just I returned and saw under the sun, which is this refrain that strikes me as poetic for some reason. I, I think that's really great. And I would love to hear and, Car, Car. Oh yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I just have to point out, Curtis, do you know where that occurs in Ecclesiastes? Yeah, in, inside of it. It's in chapter 9, verse 11. It's the next verse after the one we just discussed. <laughs> nice. So it's got to be relevant. Um, uh, that's funny. I, I, want, I want to get Cara's thoughts first. I just got to say that when Brian made his contribution, he said, oil for your lamps. We very yeah. much appreciate that. Ellen gave as well. So we had 10 donors then, but then Michelle gave in memory of Megan. So we're up to $775. Michelle's just coming in right now. All right. Cara, what what do you got on this, this whole Ecclesiastes thing? You know, I, I liked Jonathan's first answer. No, but <laughs> what strikes me about whatever your hand finds to do, verily do it with all your might. To me, that's a message about being in the present moment, doing the next right thing, that kind of thing. So talks about um, how the happiness of angels is due to the fact that they don't fret about the past and they don't fret about the future and they're right in the moment doing oh something useful here and now. And that that's just what I get out of reading that first part for sure. So I love that. I just got to jump in because I love that. It's like, well, cause there's no doing an activity in the future. Like you're never going to do it in the future. You're always going to do it in the present. So just do it now. You know, I love that. It's great. And, and I hasten to add that it's not literally true that there's no activity or planning even the way swedenborg describes hell there's lots of activity there's lots of planning uh and so uh but it is about the fact that um there is a state uh, that can happen to us if we never and the bible talks about it a number of different ways if we never make that choice there is such a thing as a you know then you get kind of set in your set in your ways. And so that's what it's talking about. It's not saying there's literally no activity or planning as if you're just flatlining or something. Yeah. I, I was thinking along those lines, the Swedenborg will have this definition of spiritual death that you could be forgiven for mistaking for life. He's also say that you can be spiritually dead, but you're still conscious and you're still walking around. You're still doing things. The death is in being wrapped up in the desires to do destructive, harmful things, which we'd more said that there's really no spiritual life in that. That's the opposite of spiritual life. That so all of this, there's no activity or planning or wisdom in in death. Well, there's instead there's insanity and mindless um, operating, and there's the opposite. It doesn't mean there's cessation of consciousness, but it means. There's no real life in following that negative stuff. Cool. Hey, let's talk more. Oh, this is going to be a quickie. We never quite had a question like this, but it's a goodie. Question number five. This is from Explosive 101 who asks, when is the new material coming out? Either he's talking about my next rap album or he's talking about <laughs> Secrets of Heaven Volume 3, which I think is right around the corner, is it? What's going on here? Yeah, well, I mean, so it could be talking about that, which is Secrets of Heaven Volume 3 is coming out April 15th. So a new, the newest volume of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. 
Um, so that's very exciting. You can actually get the chap first chapter for free to read. I think there might be a link in the description um, to just experience the first, the richness of the translation. Um, but then also, what about other ma new material, videos and such things or anything? Like, it's hard to know. What does he mean by material? Yeah, so explosives, are you talking about the books? If you're talking about the videos, man, they're coming out all the time. They're coming out Mondays and Wednesdays, and we're, we're working diligently on our learning platform project, which is coming out, oh, you know, as soon as it's good and ready. Um, but thanks for wondering. Um, but there's a definite date on that, six, seven, three, and just that first chapter of it. I think we've made the past like 12 videos based on just that one chapter. So life is good. I can't wait for that whole thing to come out. Okay. This is question six from Pegby, who asks, why am I dreaming of dead relatives when I don't really want to think of them? Oh. This is kind of the opposite of what we were talking about before. Yeah, so right. what could be going on? There, Karen. I'd say think about what those people represent to you because it doesn't necessarily mean it's about them per se. I know that every every person that turns up in your dream could um, just be a symbol. It, the characters are symbols of something going on in your mind or some issue you're working on. Um, Swedenborg would have people that he knew turn up and his dreams, but he, he, he knew that like, this man is somebody that I think of as somebody who's always talking about superficial sort of issues. And so he's representing in my dream, superficial issues. So uh, when I have dreams about people uh, that seem weird and, you know, not like, like real connections with real people, um, I just always assume, oh, what do they, what do they kind of represent to me? So what part might they be playing in this symbolic story, the symbolic message in my dream. Yeah. I was just hearing about the dream of a six-year-old who's my daughter. And she was talking about being in this classroom that's like in her school, but in the hallway, cars were driving down it. And it's just so obviously like spiritual stuff is trying to say something to you by using these familiar things you have, but placing them together in ways they would never go together to try to say something. It just seems like that's, that's the nature of dreams. It's like, what it's, it's a, it's a translation. So I would think people, the people you're meeting fall into the same category. I want to say something. I was watching the chat a little bit and down below explosives 101 said he was wondering about the video series. He or she was wondering about the video series when they're asking about the new material. So I just blew that off, but I better not. So the new video series that I think you're talking about is we, we are this week filming what I believe is the last segment in this first, um, first thing that we're making. So it, we're looking at drafts and things um, of stuff we've already filmed. So it, I can't, I don't have a particular date, but it's close. It's getting close. Okay. This is question seven. Is anyone, does anyone else want to say anything about anything? Okay. Question seven. Colin Vickers asks, if you were to write an epistle to contemporary Americans, what would you say? 
what's an, what's an epistle? It's just like, here's a little sermonette that I write down. I know there's the, all these epistles in the New Testament, but that's just, it's like a letter, but it's got some spiritual stuff in it. You know, it's a little bit religious. So what would, what is it? What does everyone want to say? I could, I'll go first if and I can't quite see everybody on this thing. I'll go first. Um, I would say that this is my epistle. <clears throat> All of life is about what you enjoy. That's what life is about. And there are two major categories of enjoyment. One category we can call heaven, and it's fundamentally the enjoyment of constructive things that do what is good for people. The other category you can call hell, and it's fundamentally about enjoying things that are destructive to other people, the most destructive thing being your urge to preside over and being superior to other people. That's what's really going on in all these situations. And with that, if we don't shine a spotlight on that, we're always going to be arguing about all these other issues, not realizing that what's driving us is one or the other of those loves. And that that's really, you have more in common with people who are operating from the same love as you than people who have the same ideas, but are operating from the opposite loves. So I think we've got all this, people are all angsty and arguing with each other about all these issues. There's a million hot button issues the issue that should be a hot button issue is the, hey, where, am I doing everything I can to make sure I identify and diffuse the love of hell in me and grow and listen and obey the love of heaven inside me? That's what I would want to write. That's the epistle that I would want to write to the to the people. Is that an epistle? Okay. Sounds good to me. Great. What else? What else do you guys want to say? Jonathan, I I haven't had long to compose my epistle, but um, <laughs> uh, but I would probably want to say something in addition to all the wonderful things you said about um, uh, loving learning, uh, being inquisitive, uh, having an open mind, and thinking and thinking again about things and uh, how important that is. And also how beautiful and amazing it is that we're all different. We're all supposed to be different. And uh, and so this is a great thing that we're all different from each other. And uh, if you're coming from a place of love, the differences are just magnificent. They're, they're wonderful. They're the spice of life. And, um, and, and to, and, and that, um, uh, despite all appearances to the contrary, actually low ego. I, I know a sense of self is important and so on in order to do something useful, but but there's a kind of ego that is actually not the greatest thing in the whole world. And if you can tone that down and be more compassionate about other people, um, uh, it'll, that, that, would be, that would be helpful. Great. Okay. All right. Other epistles, or shall we try to squeak in another question? Uh, okay. Oh, you got it. Just real quick. Um, there's a there's an old song that says, "Is that all there is? Is that all there is?" 
And I would just like to uh, remind people that this is not all there is, this level. There's a lot um, more important, more vital, more beautiful stuff that is not about paying the bills. <laughs> and I would write about, I would wax emotional about how God is love. God is on your side. Providence is real. When you look at the troubles of the world, know that God is on your side, <laughs> trying to help you with it. Oh no, do I have to do one now? <laughs> Everybody else I think that's is. the way the wind is blowing. <laughs> I have to say, I think I might do something like go into a deep trance state and write out some like really interesting prophetic language like the old testament or something like that and like maybe write down some dreams and then just leave it to people to figure out <laughs> that's very thoughtful of you because they might form a not-for-profit around it in the future and do a whole show yes cool all right this has got to be really quick because i i never leave enough time for this stuff at the end of the show and this time i'm really going to which of the wildwood asks what were the ways Swedenborg protected himself from evil spirits? Anything other than prayer? If not, was there a specific prayer he used? Chelsea, what's the answer? Oh my gosh. Well, I'll go quick too, because I think everybody else has thoughts. This is such a good question. So the first thing that jumped to my mind were these two numbers that I've saved from really early on in Swedenborg's spiritual transformation process that he went through in his 50s. So it was like he was new to the game. So I don't know how his tools changed over time, but I'm really struck by these ones when he was first presented with all these intense experiences and a lot of onslaught of evil. And so a couple of the tools that he wrote down using one was his breath. And he says, um, therefore, when the evil thoughts entered, the only thing to do was to draw to oneself the breath. So the evil thoughts vanished. So I loved that he really, uh, seems to have connected with a sense of breathing, being able to free himself from evil thoughts. Um, the other one, he says, as a child, cast all anxiety on the Lord. But the context of that is he's talking about his motto and his prayer for God's will to be done, not mine, and like really just putting all your trust in the Lord. But he talks about it in such a way that he says, wait a second, I can't even put my trust in God God needs to put my trust in God. So he just asks for the grace, you know, to just like, let it be what it is. And that really connects me back to like, yeah, you have to let go of like, wait, can I really do anything in this moment? Maybe I just need to let things be exactly as they are. And, and sort of in that surrendering, be trusting in God's care. And then, you know, God takes care of the evil in that way. So those are, those are a couple of thoughts that pop right to mind. Karin. Yeah, I, uh, just adding that it's really saying the same thing, but in different words. But um, I think he became more more humble, you know, through the through the self-examination and things that he was going through, realizing he couldn't do anything on his own. It had to be God, the Lord. And um, I know that sometimes he's just talking about faith, you know, developing a faith, which I think is the same thing. It's it's the process of regeneration, just becoming more humble having more trust in God, building up that trust where he could have all these evil spirits all around him, but he, he knew that they couldn't harm him, you know, because he, 
he was um, building, he was allowing the Lord to build that protection around him through faith, through trusting in the Lord, through developing, uh, you know, allowing the Lord's love to fill him more. So just developing that, that faith, which is also always also about love and life. Um, He knew he was protected. And so they, they were all around, but they couldn't hurt him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, there's a specific story that goes with that where, I, in fact, Swedenborg calls it being nothing sometimes. And uh, there's some situation where he was accosted by somebody, some guard in the other world said, uh, you're nothing but evil. And Swedenborg said, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. So we'll hold it down here for a while, though. And the thing that they don't have in the afterlife that we do have here is Swedenbot. And we got a few comments at the beginning of the show saying, I'm, I'm excited for Swedenbot. So let's give the people what they want. All right. Well, here comes Swedenbot. Right? Maybe. Yes. There he is. Or they are. There they are. <laughs> And sometimes uh, uh, Swedenborg talks about the Lord's kingdom being in heaven, and then the church is the Lord's kingdom on earth, and the word is a link between those two. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be too technical about this, but the word is like it would be the marriage between the Lord's kingdom and the church, because there's, there's not a marriage, but there's already that thing. Mm. Or if you're saying the word acts as a, the word is a right. marriage right. between the Lord's kingdom. So it just not, it doesn't quite do it, but it's close. It, it, it's very, yeah, it's close. It's, it's not a terrible thing to say, um, but generally he would use like for, something like the way sunlight streams from the sun at this different times of year, not something metaphysical like a marriage between two abstract <laughs> entities or something, you know? So uh, it, it's, it's not, I would give it a B it, it's not perfect, but, uh, but it's not it's fair. offensive. You know, yeah. it's, it's okay. Right. I'd say, let it, it be. be. All right. Let's see what the next one is. The word again. So Swedenborg is really on this theme. The word is composed of correspondences and therefore representations. In fact, the Lord teaches that he is one person. (laughs) Then you switched gears there. Non sequitur. Wait, wait, wait. That's what I first thought when I saw it. But we don't, the previous passage in this might be addressing somewhere in the word where Jesus is talking about the Father. And he's saying, in fact, the Lord teaches that he is one person. Although now I'm catching myself. He would, Swedenborg never talks about the Lord teaching something outside of Jesus's words. So, yeah, you're probably all right. It's pretty good. It seems, it seems pretty good. You know, I mean, correspondences and therefore representations. He's definitely been listening to Swedenborg a lot more than any human ever has. I suspect <laughs> the number of times that AA, AI runs through there. I mean, Is it? Yes, yeah, uh, Swedenborg has technically read all of Swedenborg's words. We, all of us, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So is it an and A teaching or B? that that there's one person that like he heard what Swedenborg was saying? So Ooh, yeah, maybe, maybe I, give Swedenborg an A on this one. It might be an A. It's not an A plus, but I. Yeah, I don't know. and it's not okay. <laughs> All right, let's All right. see what the third one is for Swedenborg. 
the word's literal meaning is like a work that is merely a person. <laughs> <laughs> that's not so good. I don't think that's <laughs> offensive. I take offense yeah, that at that. Is, Mere, that a work that's funny. merely a person. <laughs> I do wonder if it sort of connects with like, you know, the literal meaning can seem all convoluted and, you know, yeah. I don't know, like the work of uh, people. It's not, I can't quite not, get it to make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, because a, a work, a person is not a subcategory of work. Uh, yeah. I, I would say it, it's not an, it's not an F like it's not wrong or evil or offensive, but it's got to be close to a D. D. Oh, look at that. It's, it's, Swedenborg is is a lot more than he is like, you know, yeah. like uh, this this one. Yeah, D is. I agree with D. That's right. That's All right. right. All right. Thanks, Thank you, Sweden Keep going. Let's that with no further ado, let's let's do uh, the next game so we have a chance of getting an elevator pitch or two in here. Now it's time for guess that Swedenborg phrase. Ooh. Ooh, look at those graphics. Ooh, mm. yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. All right, this is a game where our panelists are going to try to guess this Swedenborg quote. They can take turns guessing letters for every correct vowel. It's one point for every correct consonant, five points. Guess the whole phrase correctly, it's 20 points. Guess the wrong phrase, you're out. And if you guess a letter that is not on the board, there are it's negative five points. And I see that Ch oh, the winner doesn't have to do an elevator pitch. And Chelsea's going to start. She already won the, the exemption from the elevator pitch for last time. And we ran out of time and didn't do the elevator pitch. So she's already safe. But we can see if she <laughs> wins anyway. So uh, Chelsea's going to start our game, actually. So Chelsea, what's your first guess? T, the letter T. All right. Yes, there are five T's. Oh, my goodness. All right, Cara, how about you? Gotta go with an H. H, let's see. Yes, there are four H's. All right, we're off to a good start. Uh, Jonathan. S as in Sam. There are two S's. Mm. Two S's. Mm. Very good. All right, Curtis, mm. what do you guess? E as in let's get this done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of E's. Five E's. <laughs> All right. And Chelsea. P. Letter P. One P. One letter P. And Cara. L. Yep. There are four L's. Lots of L's. Starting to fill out a bit. Jonathan. Um, I'm tempted to guess the first word, but I, I won't be so brazen. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Okay. R. Yes, there are two R's. Okay. Starting to fill out a little more and Kara is in the lead currently. Um, Curtis, your turn. Okay. You. Letter U. Yes, there's one U. <laughs> okay. Chelsea. Um, F. F. Letter F. One F. All right. And Kara. Oh, 
I've got it all but the second word. The, um, Ooh. All right. How about D? Oh, yes. Two Ds. <clears throat> oh, you want to guess, Cara? Oh, I'm having a brain block. <laughs> oh, come back. Go on to Jonathan then. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, v. Yes, there's one V. Not going to guess. All right, Curtis. Okay. Um, then... Yeah, what is that? Um, so, <laughs> what letters have we even used? What what are we playing right now? Um, uh, Getting late, isn't it, Curtis? <laughs> w. There is one W. Darn. Oh, okay, Chelsea. All right. Um, so uh, I'll guess the letter N, and then I'll say it. Okay. Oh, five N's. Oh, right. What is this? So the remnant holds spiritual and heavenly life within it. Nice. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. But, oh, no, Chelsea is the winner. I was going to say, Cara. Right. Oh, <laughs> she stole it from me last week. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. All right. That means Chelsea is doubly protected from our next game. She does not have to participate at all in the elevator pitch. Let's pitch, everyone. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. In. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is the game where you get put on the spot, and we'll see <laughs> who has to talk about what Swedenborgian concepts effectively and meaningfully and passionately in just one minute. So let's spin that wheel that we saw just a second ago to see who it's going to be. And they're off. Jonathan is going to talk about the purpose of creation. So we've just gotten onto an elevator. We recognize Jonathan Rose as that guy from the Swedenborg show. And we say, hey, what does Swedenborg say is about the purpose of creation? And three, two, one, you're on. Well, creation has a lot of different elements in it. When you think about it, there's all the grasses and the animals and the sky and even a spiritual world. And you might wonder, what is all that for? What are we doing with all that creation? Why would God create all that? Was it just to see himself and admire himself in a mirror, as some of the philosophers say? Oh, no, says Swedenborg. No, the purpose of creation is for God to be able to love someone, something outside himself, bless it with happiness as much as possible. And I forget the third thing, but it's really, really great. <laughs> and <laughs> so love it and, and bless it. Love something outside of yourself. Bless it. And everybody will be happy. <laughs> hey. the, the third thing was the worst, I'm sure. <laughs> Very cool. Are we going to do another one? No, I, I think that that's it for today. Nicely done. <laughs>
<laughs> Jonathan, it's great to, to to pull it all together like that. And I, and I love the idea of what's the point of it all? Oh, so, so that God can love us and make us happy. Yes. So I think that to, missing thing is to be one with. Oh, yeah. Like to love us, be one with us and bless us and make us happy. Yeah. I think I'm not. Who cares about that? Effort. The happiness is what I'm interested in. human grace, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's pretty good. The Lord created the universe so that usefulness could exist. Thanks, everybody. This is a special thanks to our 12 donors who we raised a total of $800 from. Special thanks again to Kim Shine, who sponsored this session with a $500 gift. So thank you so much for that. Um, and thanks to the panel. Really appreciate all of you coming on and making this a, a night to remember. So thanks, everybody. So fun to be here. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah, this was really great. I feel very spiritually fed, and I hope you all do, too. I'm sorry I was so silly during the elevator pitch, but I just couldn't resist the, the temptation is to talk like a blue streak and instead to go slowly. Just struck me as perversely funny, but uh, I'm sorry if I messed up this. But it was great fun. Thanks, everybody. I thought it was very soothing, Jonathan. I love it. <laughs> and thank you, everybody. So fun. Thank you, donors and sponsor and everybody in the chat. Uh, we love spending this time with you. Wishing you a wonderful week. And if we didn't get to your question here tonight or you're watching this in post, we care about you. We'd love to talk to you. Leave it in the comment below this video and we'll respond. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.